Welcome to Dead Pilot Society, the show that takes comedy pilots from A-list writers that were sold and developed at networks and streamers but never produced, and gives them the table reads they never got a chance to have. I'm Andrew Reich, the creator and host of Dead Pilot Society, and I'm very glad that you're taking some time off from looking at the news and experiencing vicarious trauma to spend some time with us. We are going to take you back to a simpler time, to Hollywood in the 1980s, to the era of Spago and Schwarzenegger. Our dead pilot this month is escapism at its best. It is Let's Do Lunch by Maria Blasucci and Amanda Lund, both of whom should be familiar names to regular Dead Pilot Society listeners. In fact, after you listen to this, you should go back and listen to episode three which Amanda wrote with her husband, Matt Gourley. It's called Wonderland, and it's one of my all-time favorite episodes. But in this pilot, Amanda and Maria play Brock Springs and Chase Tillman, two hotshot movie producers looking to dominate Hollywood in the golden age of big-budget action movies. This is pure fun. We recorded it live at the Lyric Hyperion with an amazing cast. Since the Screen Actors Guild strike continues... To drag on, I am not going to list credits for anyone for fear of being perceived as promoting anything, but the cast, in addition to Amanda and Maria in the leads, was Taryn Killam, Taylor Garen, Andy Daly, Patty Guggenheim, Mark McKinney, Flula Borg, Craig Kakowski, Rochelle Meese, and Morgan Jay. Amazing, amazing cast that we crammed uh, all onto the tiny Lyric Hyperion stage. Uh, to read this, um, if you are a Max Fun member, we'll throw up the video, which is a really good video. You get to see Amanda and Maria in their wigs. Uh, it's really fun. It's worth becoming a member to get to see that video and all the video from all of our other reads. Okay, enjoy. Oh, if you want to do that, by the way, go to uh, MaximumFun.org join. Okay, for now, enjoy Let's Do Lunch after a brief message. Hi, I'm Bikram Chatterjee, the CEO of Maximum Fun, and I'm here with my fellow worker owner, Marissa Flaxbart, producer. This week for Co-Optober, we'll be highlighting other co-ops who work in the arts. The past few years have been challenging for all kinds of creative industries. We at Max Fun believe that co-ops are better suited to meet these challenges, and there are a lot of other companies who feel the same way. So all this week on our social media and website, we'll be sharing interviews with some of our fellow co-ops. And head to our YouTube channel, Friday, October 20th, where I'll be talking with worker owners from Defector and Stocksy about their co-ops and why the model works for them. And next week is Volunteer Week. Learn how you can participate in that and get details on exclusive merch, our live streams, and other Co-Optober happenings at MaximumFun.org slash Co-Optober. That's C-O-O-P-T-O-B-E-R. Uh, Amanda Lund and Maria Blasucci. Who <laughs> <laughs> maybe aren't ready. All right, Amanda Lund and Maria Blasucci. Important for everyone to know this is not their real hair. But you'll understand, you'll understand soon. Amanda, you are the very rare repeat 
uh, writer uh, on Dead Pilot Society whose name is not Andrew Reich. So if we have Amanda, a great pilot, which is uh, episode three of Dead Pilot Society called Wonderland, which everyone should check out. And Rhea, you've done the show so many times. Thank you guys for being here. So we are going to be hearing your pilot, Let's Do Lunch. Can yes. you tell people a little bit about what they're about to hear? Maria? Well, uh, it's a show Amanda and I uh, started working on uh, in about 2017. We were kind of we did uh, a, a short, uh, and then we tried to pitch it as a show. Then people weren't into it, but then during the pandemic, um, we got on board with Priyanka Two and party over here, and we went to go uh, sell it around, see if people were interested. Now FX said yes, so we worked with them for about a year and a half, and. Um, then they said, okay, this is really great, uh, but not for us. Um, and then, but they said, here, you can have it back and you can go sell it as you will. So after all the strikes are done and hopefully everyone gets everything that we could ever want, we'll go back out again. Yeah, and like, what is the show though, you know? Like <laughs> <laughs> the question that in all these pictures we were doing, they were asking, they were like, that's so funny, but like, why, what, where? So it's basically this idea that Maria and I have had for a really long time, um, where we play these two male power producers um, in the 80s, and just like running amok. And like a Jerry Bruckheimer, Don Simpson, just, you know, living it up and taking names. <laughs> I don't know. This is Let's Do Lunch, written by Maria Blasucci and Amanda Lund. The teaser starts with Super 8 footage in a swamp. A Chiron tells us it's 1970 in Tampa, Florida. The teenage Brock Springs, 17 and acne-riddled, trudges through the swampy waters, wielding a machete. Where's the girl? A child, a 10-year-old boy, emerges from behind a tree with devil horns and a face painted bright red. I've been framed. I didn't take the governor's daughter, and you're the only lawyer who can defend me. <laughs> I gave up being a lawyer after the war. Everyone deserves a fair trial, even the devil. <laughs> Teenage Brock grabs the child's throat and a poorly choreographed fight ensues with homemade squid bursts. A woman in her 40s screams in the background. Cut! That voice belongs to a teenage Chase, 17, in a beret and black turtleneck. He enters frame. All right, let's reset. Time is money. You know, I really felt the tension in that one. Right. This doesn't make sense, Chase. Why can't the devil defend himself in court? <laughs> you think a jury would believe one word that came out of the devil's mouth? He's an outsider. Only Shane Bummer can win the case. I don't know. There's a lot of plot holes. <laughs> Chase sucker punches the child in the gut, causing him to double over in pain. Have some respect. Chase is a cinema genius. Listen up, you little shit. <laughs> Audiences want three things, violence, sex, and heart, and that's exactly what we're giving them. Me and Brock, we're getting the hell out of this town, and in 10 years, I'm gonna be the most powerful producer in Hollywood. I'm gonna be the next Paul Newman. You can tell that you knew us when. Okay, okay. Chase, <laughs> Chase glances over at the 40-something woman. Hey, Brock, will you, will you your and Sheila? Yeah, of course. <laughs> and we get the music cue, Where's the Party by Eddie Money. <laughs> now we go to 15 years later, Sunset Boulevard. A shiny new black Porsche 911 zooms recklessly past iconic 80s landmarks. The Roxy, the Whiskey A Go-Go. Beautiful out-of-work actresses walk to and from auditions by Sunset Plaza. 
powerful men with perfectly coiffed hair talk on their Motorola bricks. <laughs> this Los Angeles has no grit or grime, just pure Hollywood sheen. The car stops at a red light and we see Chase Tillman, age 32, at the wheel. Brock Springs, also 32, <laughs> looks fine as hell. <laughs> they exchange a smile, then lean down and do lines of coke in perfect unison. They fucking made it. The light turns green, the wheels spin in place, and exhaust billows from behind as Chase puts the pedal to the metal. Continuous on Sunset Boulevard, they idle in front of a billboard for the number one movie of 1985, Cry from the Devil, starring Rico and Dremo. On the billboard, Rico and Dremo in his 40s, a Schwarzenegger type, is surrounded by a tableau of 1980s action movie glory. A sexy brunette in a cherry red Mercedes SL convertible pulls up alongside them. Brock looks over and wags his Ray-Bans, gestures to the billboard. That's our movie. Really? Are you actors? Better. We're producers. <laughs> Radical. Want to get a drink, lady? Chase peels out, leaving him. <laughs> hey, she could have been the one. Yeah, one in a million. <laughs> the Paramount lot, as the car pulls through the double arches of Paramount and into a parking spot designated Chase and Brock. The boys hop out of the car as the camera lingers on the novelty license plate, Best Friends. <laughs> That's the end of the teaser. Act one, Brock and Chase's uh, office. Jeannie, in her 20s, too smart for this job, sits at her desk, halfway through her McDonald's breakfast, enjoying a moment of quiet. Think fast! A miniature basketball nails her in the face. Ouch. Shit, I thought your hands were up. Brock grabs the ball and dunks as Jeannie ducks under her desk. Could we possibly move the basket uh, from above my desk? Chase grabs a stack of mail. He sorts through it, landing on an American flag postcard. He takes in what's written on the card and hides it in his suit pocket. Hey, Jeannie, it's your lucky day. Brock whips out a shiny box and opens it to reveal an eyeshadow palette with 100 vibrant colors. <laughs> Jeannie emerges from under her desk. Eyeshadow. Thank you, but I don't wear a lot of makeup. Yeah, we've noticed. <laughs> Jeannie, you want to get ahead in this town, right? Actually, I do want to make it in this business. I've never mentioned it because I didn't want to seem, well, not like a secretary, but I'm a writer. <laughs> That's a shame. <laughs> I'd love to have you read my script sometime, if you're willing. Sure. We'd love to read your script. They snicker as Jeannie deflates. <laughs> How about this? Give us an elevator pitch. Um, now? Uh, okay, so it's about a woman and uh, a man who, um... Ding! That's my floor! <laughs> no, that was so short! You gotta wow and you gotta wow quick. No one's going to the movies to see um. Brock tosses her the eyeshadow. Stick with the autumn shades. They'll make those eyes pop. And they disappear into their office. Fucking assholes. <laughs> Brock and Chase enter their office like kings. The room is cocaine chic with black leather furniture and lots of acetate. Two extra large executive desks face each other on either side of the room. Brock caresses his surfboard that leans against his desk. They say the waves at Zuma are so crazy huge right now. They'll bury you alive. I'd love to get out there, soak up some of those rays. Chase adjusts his beloved framed Spartacus poster. Better not, we have shit to do, my friend. Hey, maintaining my good vibe and my tan is priority. The rule of attraction, 
The more attractive you are, the more you rule. Chase spots an LA Times on his desk and grabs it. The LA Times article is out. Chase and Brock's picture is front and center with both of them sitting in director's chairs on the Paramount lot. Brock looks handsome as ever. Chase's eyes are closed. <laughs> the headline reads, Chase and Brock, the new bad boys of Hollywood. Why would they use the picture where my eyes are closed? I look like a total loser. I think it makes you look pensive. <laughs> you know, I wonder why they put your name first, because B comes before C in the alphabet, right? It makes it seem like you're the leader and I'm just some like wannabe tryhard. Well, what did you want them to do? Print the names on top of one another? Yeah. Chase grabs the newspaper and reads. Chase Tillman and Brock Springs are the hottest names in Hollywood thanks to this summer's highest grossing movie, Cry from the Devil. Audiences went wild for the action-packed thriller, but critics are asking, are Chase and Brock one-hit wonders? Chase takes this in and throws the paper down in his desk in anger. We smash cut to 20th Century Fox. The chairman of 20th Century Fox Studios, Frank Clapman, in his 50s, a silver fox, throws down the same LA Times article. Where's Fox's cover story? <laughs> Dina Crane, in her 30s, a ball buster, since sits confidently behind a lucite desk, rocking a power suit and a perm. What are you worried about? There are flashes in the pan. I took a chance on you, Crane. People thought I was nuts for promoting you and that big hair. <laughs> you promised me the number one movie of the summer with Torpedo Man. Paramount annihilated us. Dina pours a glass of water from an Art Deco decanter and walks it over to Frank, who collapses on the couch. Cry from the devil was a fluke. The Kennedy assassination was a fluke. This is a tragedy. <laughs> Cowpuncher is gonna be a hit. Pre-production is going great. Cowpuncher is a comedic western. What year are you in, sweetheart? Teens are fucking to MTV and their parents are watching them do it. <laughs> you need to find out what these guys are up to now. I won't be bested by that sandbagger Lars Kidley and his boy wonders. Fox will have the number one movie of 1986. I bet my career on it. Frank looks at Dina, seeing a rage-filled determination in her eyes. <laughs> we go to the Paramount screening room a little later. Brock and Chase sit next to Lars Kidley, his 60s, the head of Paramount. They're in an empty screening room, watching an experimental black-and-white film. On screen, a sad clown dressed in a spacesuit rubs up on three half-naked women. Stray cats surround them as a heartbreaking harmonium theme plays. <laughs> What the fuck is this crap? It's called Nacht Clown. It's by a young German director, Boaz Brunel. You have a lunch meeting with him today at Spago. Are you serious? Why? Because he's directing your next movie. The fuck he is? Rico and Demo won't sign on to star in Hardtop unless we land this guy to direct it. Cry from the Devil was number one. Our follow-up isn't going to be some European art house flick. He's obsessed with clowns. Hey, don't get me wrong. This is some interesting stuff, but Hardtop, it's about a street racing gang in L.A. It's action. It's sex. It's fast cars with grit and tit. It's America, Lars. Fuck America. Jesus <laughs> Christ. If Rico wants him, he gets him. Rico's the money. Do you know what's on the line here? I took a chance on two nobodies, and it paid off. But that office is yours is on loan. This town will wrap you in its warm arms and then kick you out of bed in the morning like you're a $3 whore. 
They all look up at the screen where the clown sits at an open fire, sobbing while roasting a table lamp on a spit. Anyone else have a hard on? <laughs> Lars thinks for a moment and nods. We go to Spago. Various industry players and paparazzi loiter outside of the lunch spot. Brock and Chase pull up and hop out of their car. Chase throws the keys to the valet. At the entrance, Brock and Chase enter the restaurant like they own the place. Wolfgang Puck, the real Wolfgang Puck, just wearing a younger man's hair, approaches. Chase Brock Falcon! Ah, so great to see you guys! I read your article, why didn't you mention me? Just kidding! Sexy greets them. Nice to see you again, Mr. Springs. Mm. Kelly, always a pleasure. Kelly escorts Brock and Chase <laughs> to their window side table where Boaz Brunel, a thick German accent, sits. <laughs> Kelly slips Brock a tiny piece of paper. Don't lose my number this time. Brock throws Kelly a smile as she walks off. Chase rolls his eyes. Boaz, at last we meet. They all shake hands and sit down. Oh, wow. I loved Cry from the Devil. It was a brilliant take. <laughs> all wham bam action, but completely empty. Meaningless of all the meaning in the world. <laughs> Thanks, man. And I want to take hot top to the next level. Explore the fragility of the male ego. Last night I made a visual representation. Boaz pulls out a collage of magazine cutouts. There's Rico, fast cars, the LA skyline, a group of buff, shirtless men. What, sorry, what's that? Chase grabs the collage and looks closely. There's a tiny clown. There it is, there it is. <laughs> we have a lot of writing on this movie, and for some reason, Rico and Dremel wants you at the helm, and that's cool. But this is a Chase and Brock picture, and what we say goes. Okay, uh, so you don't want to hear my ideas? Listen, kid. You can either keep making your little shit movies for no one, or you can direct the number one movie of 1986. Boaz looks shell-shocked. Chase spots something behind him. Oh, it's Dina Crane. She enters Spago. Chase hurriedly crumples up Boaz's collage and hides it in the bread basket, covering it with focaccia. <laughs> Boaz looks on, horrified. Oh, Dina, the snake crane is here. Don't turn around. Just be cool. Rock pops on his shades and leans back into his chair. Not literally. God damn it. <laughs> Dina Crane makes a beeline for Brock and Chase. Well, if it isn't the men of the hour. <laughs> I thought your table was on the parking lot. They snicker. Dina laughs politely. <laughs> I just came to say congrats on the success of Cry from the Devil. Oh, thanks, sweetie. Dina notices Boaz. And who's this? Oh, that's our dentist. <laughs> it must be a good dentist to get a lunch meeting at Spago with THE Chase and Brock. He's the best in town. <laughs> well, it's great to meet you. Uh, and great running into you two. Dina heads to her table. She wants me so bad, it's pathetic. She's the only person in this town on my don't fuck list. Boaz, never forget the people who stepped on you on your way to the top. Three years ago, we met her at the chateau. We pitched her crying from the devil, and she blew us off. Why? Well, you're supposed to be handing out crab cakes. Doesn't mean she had to call security. Hey, watch this. Hey, man, don't do anything crazy. Chase motions for Wolfgang to come over. 
a smoked salmon pizza? <laughs> no, we would like to send something special over to Miss Crane's table. And at Dean, Dina's table moments later, the kitchen staff, including Wolfgang, approached Dina with a cake that reads, Happy 50th Birthday. <laughs> the patrons join in singing Happy Birthday to a mortified Dina. She shoots a look over at Brock and Chase, who laugh their asses off. Boaz sadly pulls his grease-stained collage out of the bread basket and dabs it with a napkin. Chase grabs it. Hey, Kelly, throw this in the trash. In the alleyway behind Spago, Dina exits through the kitchen door. A waiter, finishing his smoke break, passes her on his way back inside. Happy 50th, Miss Crane. Fuck you. <laughs> Dina spots Boaz digging through the dumpster. He pops up, holding his crumpled collage. They speak in German. Uh, <laughs> Hope you found what you are looking for. In Deutsch? You speak German? It's <laughs> not all I do, honey. How about I give you a ride? We can talk about your dentistry. Boaz does not stand a chance. We go to Lars Kidley's office. Brock and Chase sit across from Lara like two kids in a principal's office. I got a call from my guy in the mailroom at Fox saying Dina Crane just came back from lunch at Spago with Boaz Brunel attached to direct a rival street racing movie. What? She's stealing my movie. Our movie. This is Hollywood. It's whoever gets there first. And right now, that draft dodger, Frank Clapman, is already ahead by a mile. Now, you better find a way to lock down Rico before Dina Crane gets him so we can announce before Fox or I'm pulling the plug. Well, you can't do that. Oh, yes, I fucking can. And I'm in charge. I'm the big guy. You, 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 you're nothing but a little speck. You're Fuck you, Dad. <laughs> dad? I'm not your dad. I'm the fucking head of Paramount. Lars, it's a trauma response. He's done it to me, too. Look, I do think of you boys like sons, but to put that into perspective, I haven't spoken to my own kids in over ten years, so... Lars, listen to us. We will get Rico to sign today. And that's the end of Act One. All right, class. Tomorrow's exam will cover the science of cosmic rays, the morals of art forgery, and whether or not fish can drown. Any questions? Yes, you in the back. Uh, what is this? It's the podcast Let's Learn Everything. Where we learn about science and a bit of everything else. My name's Tom. I study cognitive and computer science, but I'll also be your teacher for intermediate emojis. My name's Caroline, and I did my master's in biodiversity conservation, and I'll be teaching you intro to things the British Museum stole. My name's Ella. I did a PhD in stem cell biology, so obviously I'll be teaching you the history of fan fiction. Class meets every other Thursday on Maximum Fun. So do I still get credit for this? <laughs> no. <laughs> Obviously not. No. It's a podcast. <laughs> Act two, we're in Rico and Dremo's Malibu mansion. Brock and Chase's car pulls through the gigantic mansion gates. In the entryway, Chase and Brock stand at Rico's front door. Chase struggles to hold a gigantic fruit basket. The door swings open and Rico appears in all white linen and barefoot. Two sexy hippie chicks in white robes hang off of each arm. Rico, my main man. You made good time. Come in. I was in the middle of having sex when you called. <laughs> we go poolside. Rico leads the boys to a table by the pool. I have my guy at Hollywood Baskets put a little something together for you. 
These are the most exotic fruits that you can legally get. Should I walk you through it now or later? Let's do later. Chase struggles to set out the basket on the table. Maybe that little man's so weak. Girls, look how scrawny he is. <laughs> and three hippie chicks stop their game of croquet to giggle at the sight of Chase's scrawniness. I'm not scrawny. How much can you bench? How much you got? <laughs> Rico laughs. He snaps, and a hippie chick butler appears. She sets down a tray with a pitcher of milk on ice. Thanks, thanks, doll. Hey, uh, real quick, I would eat that horn melon within two to three days. <laughs> Rico pours the boys each a glass of milk. A couple of weeks ago, God appeared to me in a dream. He told me to drink milk. Only milk. So I listened. And I've never felt better. Look at my pecs. <laughs> he makes his pecs dance. Brock claps. That is absolutely just incredible. <laughs> Look, Rico, we're here because... I know why you're here. I told Lars the only way I'm doing hard top is if I get the director I wanted. I got a call from Dina Crane an hour ago. Looks like I'm at a bit of a crossroads. Rico snaps his fingers again, and the hippie chick butler places two envelopes labeled Paramount and Fox on the table. Which contract to sign? You son of a bitch. Cry from the devil made you a fortune. You have the balls to fuck us around. Fuck you. No, no. Fuck you. <laughs> Chase lunges at Rico and grabs him by the collar. You're messing with the wrong amigos, amigo. I suggest you take your filthy buzz off my freshly laundered robe before I drop kick your warm buddy, amigo. Okay. Listen up, amigos. Let's all cool down, just have a sip of some ice-cold milk. I want an Oscar, and Boaz Brunel is my ticket. He can bring me out of my shell, show people I'm not just a meat stick. Maybe I'll show my dick for the wall. It's small. People will say I'm courageous. I don't trust you two. I just keep asking myself, why are the producers of the biggest movie of the year on the cover of the LA Times and not the star? Everywhere I look, it's Chase and Brock. Where's Rico? He's sitting right in front of me, and he's breaking my heart. <laughs> Do you think that piece of shit, cry from the devil, would have made a penny if it weren't for my star power? I didn't even make any, didn't even make any sense. Wait, why couldn't the devil just defend himself? Because <laughs> no one would believe him! He's the devil! But come on, Brock, let's go. We don't need this juiced-up jester to make a hit. You're bluffing. You don't know nothing about me. Rico takes a sip of milk and sizes Chase up. From the way you carry yourself, I know you must have spent a lot of time in a car. An army brat, perhaps, moved around a lot. Never were, never were anywhere long enough to hold roots. You're quick to rage, which makes me think Daddy was the same way. A military man who didn't appreciate your creativity gave you a few knuckle sandwiches. And your hatred toward women tells me Mommy abandoned you. Also, the leather jacket? Bedwetter. <laughs> Chase is frozen in shock. <laughs> I'm fucking you! Brock told me. <laughs> I mean, just had a few too many Mai Tais at the cry rap party, got a little loose lip. 
<laughs> you might not like us, but you damn well know we make a good movie. You make one good movie. Everyone knows you need two to actually belong in this town. You aren't getting an Oscar with a joke of a director, no script, and a studio that's bombing left and right. So what's your price to sign right now? It's not about money, man. God talks to me. <laughs> and until I get a sign from him, it's no dice. And as much as you want to believe, uh, as much as you want to believe you are, you ain't God. We cut to the driveway. <laughs> Two hippie chicks wash Brock and Chase's windshield as the boys approach. Well, fuck, man. Hey, hey, your rage spiraling. Let me just help you release some of that tension. Brock massages Chase's shoulders. It's all falling apart. We can't be one-hit wonders. I can't leave this town a failure. Hey, look at me. Do you remember our promise? If we don't make it, we off ourselves. <laughs> I'm sticking to that. Are you? I don't remember that. <laughs> Are you kidding me? We made a suicide pact. I honestly don't remember that. Okay. I don't remember it. But I'm not lying. I know you are. Okay, well, you know what? Whatever. It, like, doesn't matter because we're going to make it. A hippie chick in a cowboy hat pulls up alongside them on a moped. Now let me do what I should have done from the start. Hey, toots, give me a ride to Manville Canyon. Hop on, daddy. Rock grabs her cowboy hat and jumps on the back of the scooter. Where, what are you going to do? I'm going to take one for the team. And the, <laughs> and the moped cruises off down the road. We go to Dina Crane's house in the foyer that evening. Dina walks in the front door of her Mandeville Canyon home, hangs her Chanel bag on a hook. In the kitchen, she pours herself a small glass of Cabernet and then takes the whole bottle instead. Her hairless sphinx cat rubs up against her leg. Mommy missed baby. Did baby miss mommy? In the living room, without turning on the lights, Dina comes into the room, kicking off her heels. She takes a sip from the wine bottle when she hears, Waiting for someone. She, Dina jumps back and turns to see a shadowy figure leaning against the wall. Who the fuck are you? Brock emerges out of the shadows. He's fully nude, except for the cowboy hat. <laughs> Brock Springs, Jesus Christ. Let's make a deal. I have something you want, you have something I want. And all you gotta do to get Brock's cock is stop these foolish games and give us back our movie. Well, <laughs> that is a tempting offer. You're saying all I have to do to fuck you is give you back the movie I so cleverly poached and in doing so implode my entire career? Seems like a fair deal to me, you know? Dina eyes him up and down. You know, you're really being wasted behind the camera, hun. Were you ever an actor? Nice try. Everyone knows producing is where all the power is. Is that what your friend told you? I think he's jealous because he knows you're a star. <laughs> Look, I got one ticket to paradise and it's first class all the way. Pop. Oh, God! The lights turn on to reveal Dina holding a smoking pistol. Oh, boy! Brock's been shot with thighs. <laughs> okay, you shot me? Yeah, but I can still perform. Pop. Dina shoots Brock again in the same spot. Get the fuck out of my house, you fucking psycho! <laughs> and Brock and Chase's bachelor pad later that night, 
Brock elevates his gauzed-up leg, <laughs> lounging on their black leather couch. You just put the nail in the coffin! I don't know what went wrong, man. When I'm in seduction mode, it's 100% effective 100% of the time with women. Dina Crane isn't a woman! She's an executive! <laughs> I don't know why you're mad at me. How do you think I'm feeling right now? I just got rejected by a woman over 30. <laughs> Should I get back into acting? <laughs> no, producing is where all the power is! <laughs> I was a good actor, though. Like, I can make people believe anything. Chase clocks this. Wait, 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 wait. If Rico needs a sign from God, then why don't we give him one? And we cut to Rico and Dremo's bedroom a little later. Rico sleeps soundly. Suddenly, he's awakened by a bright light and the sound of a choir of angels. He shields his eyes as a babe pops up next to him in bed. Who's there? A dramatic silhouette of Angel Brock appears in the light. God? Awaken, Rico and Dremo. God has a message for thee. The music crescendos dramatically. Wind blows in through the window, making the curtains dance violently. Outside, we see a Paramount Pictures spotlight shine through the window. Chase mans a wind and rain machine in between playing choral music from a keyboard. He's a pretty good pianist. <laughs> Sign the Paramount deal. Chase and Brock shall not lead you astray. They will get you thy Oscar. Really? You don't think those guys are hacks? Outside, Chase stops playing the piano. We're not hacks, you're the hack! Brock tosses Chase a look and he starts up the piano again. Dina Crane is a hell snake. Sign the Paramount deal or else. Thunderclaps. Outside, Chase warbles a metal sheet. I will sign. I promise. I will sign. Angel Brock gestures to the babe. Hey, honey, you want to see heaven? The babe nods and runs over to Angel Brock. He picks her up. Chase pulls a rope and lowers them out of the window together, leaving Rico in complete awe. It's the next morning in Rico's driveway. He comes out of his house to grab the newspaper. He spots a costume angel halo on the ground. He picks it up and sees a tag that reads property of Paramount. His eyes narrow, he knows he's been had. In the Paramount boardroom later that day, Lars, Chase, and Brock sit at a conference table silently waiting. There's a cake shaped like a race car on the table next to Rico's unsigned contract. Chase eyes the clock on the wall. It's five past, where the fuck is he? Suddenly, Jeannie, now wearing so much eyeshadow it looks like clown makeup, bursts in waving a variety magazine. They announced. Rico and Dremo set to star in Fox's summer blockbuster, Car Puncher. All three men slam their fists into the cake. <laughs> in Dina Crane's office, simultaneous, Dina pops a bottle of champagne. Fox employees offer congratulations. Frank Clapman enters. The room hushes. Congratulations, Dina. You handled this like more than a producer. You handled it like the head of a studio. Or should I say the hair of a studio. <laughs> and the employees laugh as Dina tosses her power perm behind her shoulder. And that's the end of Act Two. <laughs> act Three, we're on the Paramount lot moments later. Chase bursts out of the building doors and onto the back lot. Brock follows him on crutches. Hey, we'll figure something out. We, we can come up with another idea. Hardtop, was it? They were right about us, all of them. We're one-hit wonders, laughing stocks. We're Brock and Chase. We always land on our feet. It's Chase and Brock, you son of a bitch. Things only work out for us because I'm making them work out. You're just jealous of my sparkle, dude. You don't appreciate me. You know, people like 
list actor, go right ahead. <laughs> Maybe I will. You know, it would be more fun than constantly having to manage your moods. I do so much emotional labor, man. I should unionize. You're taking it all too seriously. It's just the movies. Chase stops dead in his tracks. What did you just say? I said, it's just the movies. Chase takes a swing at Brock, hitting the hit right in the kisser. Ah! Not the face, you fucker! <laughs> Brock throws his crutches aside and swings back at Chase, and they get into a full-on fist fight. Brock deadweights Chase, pinning him to the ground. Chase swings his arms wildly. See? You are deadweight. No, you are! An actor dressed as a referee breaks them up, <laughs> rolling Brock off of Chase. Behind them, a group of actors dressed as a basketball team watches. <laughs> Brock composes himself and picks up his crutches. You're right, man. We're finished. Bye-bye, Hollywood! Brock hobbles off towards the blue sky backdrop on the Paramount lot. Chase stands alone in disbelief. In the Paramount screening room a little later, Chase sits alone in the darkened theater, watching rough footage from the Super 8 movie we saw at the beginning. On screen, teenage Brock and the child trudge through a swamp. Jeannie enters the screening room with a cup of coffee and a bowl of nuts. Mr. Tillman, I brought you a snack. Chase keeps looking at the screen where he watches teenage Chase directing teenage Brock on how to properly hold a machine gun. What are you watching? Just some outtakes from Brock in my first movie. It's the prototype from Cry from the Devil. From off screen, we hear a man's voice screaming. The camera pans over to see a military man in fatigues. Chase, you get your ass back in the house right now! I told you before, no son of mine's gonna be making movies like a little girl! I told you, Dad, <laughs> girls can't make movies! <laughs> Teenage Chase's dad grabs him by the jacket and drags him away. Brock steps to him. Leave him alone, Mr. Tillman! Brock threatens Teenage Chase's dad with his fake gun. Mr. Tillman puts up his hands and slowly backs away. Want to do this shit? Then you're no son of mine. I don't want to see your face again. The camera slowly zooms in to a quietly crying teenage chase. The reel ends. Back in the screening rooms, Jeannie looks on, horrified. <laughs> Is now a good time to revisit my elevator pitch? <laughs> I think I got it down. Sure, Jeannie, hit me. Jeannie takes a deep breath, knowing this is her big shot. A wealthy yet lonely businessman hires an effervescent prostitute to accompany him on a series of work events only to find himself falling in love. Chase puts his head in his hands and shuffles. <laughs> Jeannie looks disturbed. You hate it. Your female lead has to be likable. No one wants to watch a movie about a prostitute unless you find her in the first act face down in a ravine. <laughs> Do you want my advice? It'll work in ten years. Listen. <laughs> I'm only being hard on you because I see a little bit of me in there. Alright, so keep that. Thank you, Mr. Tillman. I think I will. Oh, Brock wanted me to tell you he went to the beach to work on the suicide pacts. He got into a cab with a surfboard. What? A thought bubble of Brock from earlier appears next to Chase. They say the waves at Zuma will bury you alive. <laughs> we didn't have a suicide pact! Wait, it's real? I thought it was a movie. The suicide pact, it sounded, it sounded catchy. Chase rushes out of the screening room. Fucking asshole. <laughs> On PCH a little later, Chase speeds along the highway, scanning the ocean for Brock. He spots him in the distance, walking out to sea. On Zuma Beach, Chase runs towards Brock, who is knee-deep in the water and still holding his crutches. Chase calls him from the shore. Brock! Don't try to stop me, man! 
Stay back! Brock slowly inches his way out to sea. God damn it, it's cold. I hate California water. Brock goes a little further. Ugh! My balls! <laughs> Brock, come on, I'm sorry, man. He wrote me. Brock turns to look at Chase. Who? Chase pulls out the American flag postcard he pocketed earlier and recites the message from memory. Dear Chase, the movie was pretty good. <laughs> Call sometime. Love, Dad. I mean, that's, that's great, man. He's proud of you. It's what you always wanted, right? It's fucking me up. I finally feel worth something, but it's all slipping away, and now you're gonna drown, goddammit! Chase falls to the ground and sits, resigned. Brock trudges out of the water with his crutches and flops down next to Chase. I wasn't really gonna drown, okay? Just wanted some attention. But I think my leg wound is infected now. <laughs> Chase what nods. We, what are we gonna do about hardtop? I don't know. But to be honest, it's never that hot on street racing. You're the car guy. I'm a water baby. I remember when you first came to Tampa, you wore sneakers to the beach. I thought to myself, man, this kid's crazy. <laughs> a street kid in Tampa? You can't even swim, dude. I don't know how you survived. Only because I met you, brother. Yeah. Hey, maybe that should be our next movie. The Street Kid and the Water Baby. At just this moment, a speedboat glides across the ocean in front of them. Boats are just cars on water. Case's <laughs> <laughs> wheels start spinning. Jesus Christ. Boats are just cars on water. <laughs> Rocket Chase scream and jump in the air. Yes! We go to Lars Kidney's office. Brock and Chase stand across from Lars, animatedly pitching him their new idea. Hard. Hard top. H-A-R-D. Hydrosonic Aquatic Reconnaissance Division. It's a brand new experimental Navy unit where the best speedboat racers in America are enlisted for a top secret mission. The most unlikely of recruits is a badass drag racer named D.W., whose impulsive demeanor puts him at odds with the other men. It doesn't seem like this street kid will be, be able to survive in the water. That is until he meets Inez, a beautiful Hawaiian bartender with great tits and a secret. <laughs> Teaches him the way of water. Lars leans in. And who is our star? Brock and Chase look at each other and smile. Q, Wild Boys by Duran Duran starts. <laughs> and we cut to Dina Crane's office. Dina Crane's assistant, Julian, his 20s and gangly, greets her as she walks into her office like she owns the place. Good morning, Miss Crane. Morning, Julian. Hold my calls. I'm going to meditate for 20. In her office, Dina sits down at her desk and looks down to see today's variety with the headline, Chase and Brock get wet with speedboat blockbuster Hardtop. Nationwide search is on for next superstar. Their names are printed directly on top of each other. <laughs> next to that, another headline reads, Dina Crane celebrates 50th birthday. <laughs> she throws her Art Deco decanter against the wall and screams. We go to Brock and Chase's bachelor pad. It's night. A raucous party is in session. Models and industry players drink frozen daiquiris and dance half-naked to 80s music videos blaring from the big screen TV. 
Wolfgang Puck makes personal pizzas in the kitchen. Brock and Chase stand by a window that looks out on the glistening Los Angeles skyline. No, we just gotta discover the next superstar. Brock gazes out the window, or is he looking at his own reflection? He's out there. They smile at each other and do a line of coke. And <laughs> End of pilot. All right, I hope you enjoyed that, and I hope you come back next week to hear my interview with Amanda and Maria. So much fun talking to them. Dead Pilot Society is produced by me and my co-host Ben Blacker and our associate producer Noah Findling. It is edited and mixed by Jordan Katz. If you haven't already and you do like the show, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other people find us, and really probably the best way to help other people find us is to tell a friend about the podcast. You can follow us on social media to find out all the latest we're doing. I know we've got a live show scheduled. You don't want to miss uh, finding out about that. We're still on Twitter at Dead Pilots Pod and on Instagram at Dead Pilots Society. Until next time, you know, be kind to yourself and for God's sake, uh, be kind to others. I'm Andrew Reich. Thank you for listening. Maximum Fun, a worker-owned network of artist-owned shows Supported directly by you.